This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, this is Alex Goff from Golf Rugby Report. I'm actually decided to let other people on the show this time uh, and not make it all about me. Pat Clifton, Bruce McLean, you guys are back, uh, uh, having been um, excluded almost entirely because I couldn't get my act together to get you on. Um, so I, I missed you guys. Yeah, Mick usual. Solo. <laughs> That's right. Solo, so, working on the solo album. Um, so, uh, Bruce, you're on uh, your summer vacation. Pat, you get no summer vacation. Um, you're in the middle. What are you doing? Recruiting? Uh, yeah, trying to scrape up a few more bodies and uh, <laughs> getting some gear ordered and uh, trying to get organized, I guess. Yeah, um, which should be interesting. What did you think about... Um, you know the the finishing off with the with sevens and and bouncing back to sevens. Did you like it? Uh, well, we stayed strictly sevens all spring, um, so I, I did like yeah. it. I did. I didn't. It turns out a lot of my we we didn't. We, I only recruited like twenty four for the first year, so that's pretty much what we carried. And a lot of my type five guys were injured, um, so we really could we wouldn't have been able to feel much of a uh, a fifteenth team in the spring. Um, we'll see next year when we've got, you know, hopefully 45 or so guys in the spring, uh, how we like it. But for this year, it worked out really well for us. Good. Good. Um, and Bruce, what's, what's your thought? Do you still hold by the, uh, the idea that, uh, sevens is not what you want to do in the spring or do you have players who want to play it at Iona? I have players who, I have players who pressure me about it. And I have players, you know, that there's definitely kids who are interested in the school who probably don't go here because of the fact that I don't do sevens. And I have a rule. Like, we'll do it. We're going to do it right. You're going to do it my way. And that means you're going to be fit. And yeah. You're going to be off. You're going to practice it all the time. And, you know, once they, once they realize that sevens isn't just running around there playing a half a game of touch – and they're going to do it my way, then they uh, they back off pretty quick. Okay. Because they don't get a spring break, so they back off. Yeah, you've got to be fit. You can't just uh, cruise around. And, and even in, um, you know, Iona's in, in D1, but as a seven, it would be as a sevens team. But even in D2, uh, you can't just, you can't just phone it in. So, um, which... However, we're not here to talk about uh, College 7s this time around, I don't think, anyway. Um, we're here to talk about the national team, which had uh, – the, the, the men's national team, which had its two games this June. And then uh, we got a few other things that are going on up at the highest levels in American rugby, which we're going we're gonna to sort of take apart for you. Um, first off, uh, the U.S. national team. This was the first uh, – this is what everyone was saying. Is this is the official, official start of the John Mitchell era because he got to pick his players. Um, and he got his over, all his over, overseas uh, pros just about except uh, Samu Manoa is hurt. Can I just say that yeah. I think that that's malarkey? Well, I mean, yeah, well, I that's, that's, that's the big thing. Is that what, what do you think about that? That's the first question. You know, is that – I think that's crap. I mean, yeah. look – I, I get that you didn't and the timing was bad and he was put in a bad situation I, I said as much at the time I wrote as much at the time that was a big mistake by Nigel Melville in my opinion and Alex Magleby, um for, for his part in it um, for the timing of it I thought that was I thought that they should have carried 
Tolkien through the PNC, or the, I'm sorry, the ARC. Um, but that said, uh, you know, you, you picked your staff, and you got to pick who was, if you didn't pick who was playing on the day, then you made a mistake. And if you weren't at least involved enough to, out of the group of guys that were brought in, um, that were probably brought in without your help, if you didn't pick who was in what positions, then you made a mistake there um, if you didn't have the time to do that. And that goes on your record just as much as anybody else does. Um, you know, Just when you, you leave and, and somebody else wins with your players, that those wins go on their record. This goes on your record. And, and those games, uh, I'm sorry, I, you should, there's no excuse to lose to Brazil and Chile. Um, and, uh, and, and those, you mean, those, you mean, those games you have mean to go on. Uruguay, they, they beat Chile. Uruguay, sorry, yeah. Brazil, I mean, Uruguay is acceptable, but Brazil is absolutely 100% right. unacceptable. Um, and, and, and so, no, I, I don't think you get to just wipe that away and start fresh, and this is now my new record. I, I don't agree with that. I, I think that the approach that they took to the ARC was wrong, and um, I disagree with it then, and I don't think you just get to erase it now. Well, I think they kind of expected... Uh Mike Tolkien to hang around and help them pick a team, even though they weren't going <laughs> to use it. <laughs> Who the heck's going to do that in his no, situation? No, no, I mean. no, one, no one's going to do that. Uh, all right, but w- what we did have was you know a, a little bit different uh, lineup. Uh, some of the players not brought back because of, of fitness or performance. Uh, maybe maybe thrown under the bus a little bit for the the, the last two losses that denied them. Winning the uh, winning the ARC, which they were perfectly capable of doing, um, and going into Italy uh, and looking at the Italy game, uh, Bruce, what did you think? I thought that for the first time in a while, the Americans won the kicking battle. I thought that Holder and and, uh, and McGinty were brilliant. I thought that Augsburger played very well. In that game, he didn't he didn't play quite as well in the second game, but that was pretty impressive. And I, it, it turned out the Italian team was pretty poor because they had beaten Canada by two points. And so, uh, but the way it goes is that's the Italian team that showed up. America came and they lost by a, a tight margin, which is a good performance. I thought that their performance against Italy was significantly better than their performance against Russia, though the scoreline against Russia was good. Just that particular day or that particular Russia team, I think that the U.S. could have really made a statement game and pumped, easily pumped 45 or 50, and probably if they were on song, would have pumped 60 or 70 on them, which that would have been great. I think also the fact that Scotland refused to play us due to administrative stuff with Melville, etc., that that gave the U.S. extra time together, and that extra time really showcased itself during the Italy game. And then I think that the short week, I think that they're probably a two-week-between-games kind of team where they're still, they still need to get their systems and stuff together. It, like, the tactical things that they do, the, the defense that they play is, is sound, the attacking structure that they have is sound. It's just a matter that some of the players are in the way. There were definitely <laughs> opportunities, and guys were just, they you know, obviously didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Like, 
it only takes one guy, so it's not it's not a big deal. But all in all, I thought it was a, and it was certainly an upgrade from the ARC. But that's that's like you know that's like upgrading from Gruel, and and then, but. This one was gruel. Yeah, you know, I, I like the idea of rugby gruel. I, you know, the 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 thing about um, losing you know, to we're, Brazil. We're, yeah, losing it, to Brazil was the worst loss in international rugby history by right. any team. Worst, the worst, the worst rankings upset ever. Now, yeah. the the issue is we're still running into this thing about players not having played together, coaches not having seen anybody. We're still sort of mushing this together. And it's so frustrating because you know when are we when are we going to have uh, something put together a plan where the players are together for, for maybe not for a long time but consistent <coughs> consi- in a, on a consistent basis, which yeah, which they're not and 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 part of it is post World Cup stuff you know there's always people who retire uh, things like that. Um, there are plenty of guys who there's plenty of tape on that they just chose not to even consider. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, I don't want to get caught on one or two guys, but um, the fact of the matter is, I mean, Bruce, last week we spoke about it, which was a while back, Mike Petri was still interested in being an Eagle. You're going to tell me that he's now the guy who has been the Eagles scrum for so long and was there when they almost beat Ireland, was was there when they were leading Scotland at halftime, or uh, do I have that right? Leading yeah. Scotland has yes. that mix it yes. up. Yeah, no, that's right. right. So, so, so the guy that's won some games. I mean, the, the, he's clearly not an absolute boob. He went from being the automatic selection at scrum half uh, to not being. I mean, how many scrum has have scrum halves that looked at? You got Augsburg or Thomason. Davies, Bliss, so now he's the, the sixth or seventh scrum half. There's plenty of tape on Petri, right? Oh, and, so, and that's just one example. There are a lot of guys like that who were just discarded um, for whatever reason and, and didn't even get the chance. So part of them not knowing who uh, who it is is their own fault. Plus, how many of the guys on the current staff were on the old staff? None of them. No, that's so that, that's, that's the that's the way it happens, right? It's a complete cleaning house, and often you clean house with players too. If you, uh, well, how about somebody idea. who's familiar with the play? I mean, and look, I'm yeah. not trying to drub on it too much, but the only people that uh, Friday and, and Greening are familiar with are the guys that uh, uh, that that were part of the sevens group, and the only the only guys that I mean, I don't know, I, maybe Marty Veal's familiar with a few more, but. I mean, they didn't even pull guys really who are intimately involved in high performance in any way, shape, or form um, across the board in the United States. Like, pick some people who've been around a minute and could give you some some names, and not just rely on Magleby, but not just give you some names, but give you some opinions on those names. But this is not. There's shocking. only one guy in the whole process this, who could. This, this isn't shocking. This is what they've done many times before, and I, I, I guess, you know, especially when it seems like it's almost it's almost a hostile takeover. But it happened uh, 2006 when they, they, they changed everything and, and started to scratch. From an NFL perspective, all right, when Todd Haley's gone and, and, or when Herm Edwards is gone and Todd Haley comes in, the very first thing he does is pour hours into footage of who he has that is coming back. 
And he doesn't try to look to make a big statement about let's get rid of these guys to make a big statement about how we're going to have higher standards here, here, and here, which I think is part of what Mitchell tried to do. I mean, that's been his pattern in places he's gone is let's make a big statement and so people will realize, oh, we're going to shake things up. And I think that is part of what he did. But, uh, uh, you know, that's a choice that you make instead of pouring hours. And I'm not saying he didn't. Maybe he did. But there's video of some of these guys, right? I mean, the ARP, PRP, if you really wanted to get into it, you could have had all that video broken down for you. You could have watched a lot of it. You could have watched all the Eagles tests. You could have watched. Um, surely we have video from all the, the old ARCs where you've you got your more domestic guys. I mean, you don't have to watch somebody in a test with you as the head coach to have an idea of who's in your player pool. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, um, you, you, I mean, you, you, we can't. That, that was been the whole discussion about not wasting international games on, on trials. I went to lunch with Mike Petrie a few times on Cape Cod, about a month apart, and he has always wanted to be an Eagle and still does. He just thought he was out. I mean, he didn't get a call from anybody. Not a sniff, not an anything, not an interest, not anything. Do you, it, is it is it that they assumed that he doesn't want to? <laughs> they didn't call him. Yeah. Well, but that, right. So they're assuming. That's that. That's not an assumption. That's that's a. Well, isn't that? I mean, isn't that Alex Magleby's job? Is, is yes. to, I mean, that's his big thing now, right? He's basically the GM. Well, if you're old starting quarterback who the old coach really liked, <laughs> you should at least send him a text. Hey, man, you still want to play quarterback for the new coach? Maybe we get you a tryout. No, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they did what they did. I, you know, and I, and I would disagree with some of it, and I would, uh, you know, some of the things they've done have been pretty good. I heard that the, you know, I heard the vibe on the team is pretty good. I heard the culture's pretty good, um, and so which is a vast improvement from where it was at the ARC, and so that that's a that's a good. That's a good thing to to be hearing. I, it helps to have it helps to have McGinty. It helps to have uh, Holder. It helps to have a kicking game. And the so I mean, look, we'll see we'll see what transpires. I think the fall the fall internationals are going to be a real telltale. It, it's been a complicated time. It wouldn't matter who's coaching. It it would still be complicated in that the Olympics are in the same year. And the World Cup had just finished, and so there'd always be a few complexities to it. On top of the fact that, in, I mean, men's club rugby is in complete shambles. Uh, the new pro league, and and how how that's going to pan out in, in at the end of the day. And so there was a lot of things, and there was a lot of moving parts going on. And, and yeah, it, and look, Nigel was still paid as the director of rugby for. For X amount of years, and Magleby's been doing it. But the fact is, you know, we were three million into that guy. That's a, you know, that I, I just, you know, that that's a that's a big amount of money. Maybe I'm maybe I've lost my mind. But three million's three million. And three I, million I, is a lot of money. Kind of got pissed and off. I, the and you're right. Do you, I mean, we've talked out. enough about – we've talked a lot about Melville on this podcast, not to say that we can't talk about him more, but you're right. But but also, 
I don't know what we're playing John Mitchell because we don't find out until two years later when the tax I, you know John information comes out. But I'm bet I'm betting it's more than Tolkien. We we pay John Mitchell two hundred fifty grand. I said that on and a it's podcast. the same yes. rate that yeah. Melville is. It's so so we can bitch about how much we paid Melville over his course of time. Well, this guy's making the same about the same money an hour. Uh, so fifty thousand dollars for those guys. Really, basically, if you if you say thirty five people at a hundred bucks a day, you know that that translates into about one hundred and fifty days of assembly time for everybody else. Now, one of the things that we're one of the things we also forget, especially about the last World Cup, is that the rim was basically stolen from American volunteers. I, I don't care what anyone says. It was done legally, but it's not ethical in any way. When rim was taken, they, they basically sold the All Blacks game, and they took the players, and the Eagles weren't together for 13 months. So all of the money that we've put in through SIP and things and all kinds of stuff to help finance things, 13 months, the Eagles weren't together. They put practice three days, got annihilated by the All Blacks, and didn't get together for 13 months. So basically before and after, they won't have been together for 13 months. And then they go into the World Cup with a Japan team that's been together the whole time, Scotland team that's been together the whole time. And Samoa team probably be a little bit more of a challenge with those guys, but they had been together a bit playing, um, you know. So that's what they were going up against, and that's what they. And not to say, not sitting here making an excuse for my friend, but I'm sitting here saying that our CEO and director of rugby handled this about as poorly as you possibly could, and and that's not to say that Mike Tolkien made no mistakes because he did, and anybody does. But what Nigel Melville did was a calculated mistake. And then at the end, they hung Mike, which is fine. Hey, you went 0-4 in the World Cup. It's a big boy game. People get fired. How they did it was wrong. And then, But the guys who did it are now in charge. And there's a lot to be said that now they better deliver, and I don't know where they're going to get the money to do it. And that's so all the money. Well, is- you know, here, here's the p- part of, part of that connected to that is the fact that the uh, the national team budget for 2015 was tied into the fact that a certain amount of money, uh, a large amount of money, uh, was going to be supplied by RIM, and wasn't because RIM got started more slowly. And um, as a result, they were they they were called they were they were called they were over budget. What it was 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 USA Rugby was under was under incomed for that, and so USA Rugby has cut back on budgets all across the board for this year. Hey, look! I said on previous podcasts that they tried to take it from women's sevens. So, and yeah. and everything yeah, yeah. that I've said is is held up in court and held up. In the uh, and the court of Alex double checking, um, so everything I've said is held up. And the fact of the matter is, we're where we're at. The Eagles are in a decent spot. Look, they beat Russia twenty-five nothing. Again, a horrible performance, but a great result. 
So it, it, that happens, and and that's the sign of a good team. They actually have a good result when they don't play that well. That's what good teams do. And and I think McGinty well, has re- really played pretty well. And I know Peterson played pretty well. I know Augsburger played well against Italy. You know, can I a couple of things on that? Um, you know, I I was really. Uh, gratified to see them kick that well. I thought that to win the kicking battle, generally, and and I went through every kicking exchange. I wrote about that. They won pretty much every kicking exchange bar one, uh, in that they would get uh, significant territory or possession or territory and possession, um, and, and and both of the you know that that was pretty impressive. And and I think that it's pretty clear uh, AJ McGinty's uh, one of the best players, and Will Holder may have found a place at fullback. Um, I I think Nate Augsburger needs to be faster off the base of the ruck, but maybe it's because I've been watching Mike Petrie for all this time. Um, but do we do we have holes? I guess we still have holes. What's what do you guys think of? Uh, like the midfield and, and trying uh, Shalom Suni Ula as, as an inside center, like second five eight type guy. I actually, I, I was, I was impressed with that. I mean, I, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised. I, I, when I saw the move, I was like, okay, I can get on board with that. And I thought he played fairly well. I mean, I don't remember him being a windmill at any point. Um, and uh, you know, I, I liked it. I, I, I liked Holder. I, I thought that was a pretty obviously great choice. Um, I wasn't sure about it when I saw it, but Will Holder's not the same player now that he was when he debuted against Canada in 2012. I mean, he's got a much steadier hand. I think we've seen that in sevens. He played great. Uh, I think that there's still obviously some holes um, in the front row. I think that there's still obviously some holes in the second row. Um, the second row probably is a little bit more glaring to me. Um, and midfield, the, there aren't answers in the midfield currently, but I think after the Olympics, some of that's going to get shored up by, you know, how people's time gets spent. Um, so I think the midfield will get better um, and uh, in, in pretty quick order. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think happens with coaches that come from outside the United States, and I think it's happened with Mitchell, and it happened with Scott Johnson, and it happened with Peter Thorburn, is that there's so many players to look at and they don't know it's like they go to the familiar and one of the familiar things is to go to <clears throat> excuse me one of the familiar things is to go to overseas and look for a US qualified player but it's it's i i think we we proved over the last whatever it is six games the USA played that just because a guy has been playing even in super rugby doesn't necessarily mean that he's the best choice for the U.S. national team. Did we learn that with James Patterson too? I mean, not that James Patterson didn't play well as an Eagle, but he certainly wasn't. It's, it's not yeah. like you stood up and said, "Oh my God, this guy will will win games for us on his own." But is is right. James King the answer at second row? Just because he's got this uh, Super Rugby pedigree? You know, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I don't so either. Think so. I mean, considering some of the athletes that are out there playing rugby in 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 college or just out of, out of college or or not even going to college at you know twenty years old, you know maybe we're looking at uh, the wrong spot. I mean, look, they picked them. They picked them, and and that's fine. I don't think he, I don't think he was bad. Um, I certainly don't think he was the second coming of Christ. I thought the kid who played seven, uh, what's his name, Lamborn. 
was well. That, he played. He was he great. Played. Yeah, I would have. Ex- I, I definitely expected more out of Clever, um, and I expected a little bit more out of Dolan as well. Although I, I, I thought that Peterson played pretty well until he got hurt. He was he was very springy in the lineout, and I you know I've always said that Clever's a great lineout guy, and I think that. Uh, Dolan has proven to always be a class lineout guy, but I thought Peterson had, had, had acquitted himself pretty well in the lineout. The, the scrum was was good against Russia. Um, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember how it was against Italy. I think it was kind of fifty fifty. It wasn't wasn't great. Wasn't, we had a lot. We had a lot of penalties. And I talked to Mitchell about it, and he wasn't too happy with some of the calls there. You know, you know, Italy popping up and then getting the penalty anyway, stuff like that. So it's kind of hard. It's to you thought he, I was. I don't. I didn't interview John um, or Coach Mitchell before the tests, but the things that I read through um, either interviews from you or from somebody else or from USA Rugby, uh, he seemed to harp on we got rid of some guys or we didn't include some guys because of the penalties they were making. Yep. I read that to mean Eric Fry, yep. and uh, we didn't include some guys because they were unfit, and I had something to say about this, um, and that he meant that to mean Olive Khalifi. And, yep. and, uh, and, uh, t- uh, Tamalau. And Tamalau. Yeah. Well, uh, Eric Fry, I thought was hilarious. Uh, not hilarious. Comedy class is like cynical when I was rooting against Eagles. I wasn't. But I think it's ironic that, uh, McClellan racked up what, it was, a, who, I, I think it was McClellan. Now my, everything's blurring together. Now I've got early onset Alzheimer's or something. Um, but, uh, somebody, whoever it was racked up like three penalties in that game. And I want to uh, say it was McClellan. Uh, well, uh, McClellan didn't play that much. Chris Bauman started and Bauman, he, that's who it is. Yeah. Bauman had some some trouble, and he, he was he was getting some penalties in one of those, which, whichever one I'm talking about. And then Fry gets called into the camp um, for the second game, so I thought but, that was ironic. Not, but not to play, they call him in right. to just sort of be around, which is like, which is really weird, actually. Um, you know, the more glaring one for me, and this is, you know, Khalifi has a sports hernia and he told Mitchell beforehand, Hey, before we come to assembly, I've got a sports hernia. I don't know that I can really compete at the high level. I'm not really fit the way I need to be. And Mitchell reassured, I'll just come on in and be a part of the team and be a fly on the wall and, and we'll push it the way we can. And then he pushed him a hundred percent and made him do everything that he makes everybody else do. And then cut him and told him he was cutting him because of fitness. All the while he knew that uh-huh. I'll, was coming in with a sports hernia. And then behind Khalifi's back, he goes to the team and says, talks about how he was an example of how you need to come in fit, using his, dropping his name, even though the whole time he knew in advance. That's kind of some of the head game stuff that I think we read about or, or, or we've heard about John Mitchell before. Uh, but that's just another example. Of, I think he's trying to make some examples of people um, instead of, just putting the best team out there. Not that Khalifi would have been, uh, he obviously wouldn't have been if he had got a sports journey and he wasn't fit, but just some curious stuff in terms of his selections and, and how he's going about things. And I think part of it is we look at everything in a four-year cycle like nothing matters until it's 2019, and I always have 100% disagreed with that, but I think maybe that's part of, this, this is a smaller symptom of that. Um, you know, I, I, w- I was impressed to see, the, I was impressed to see the Eagles, uh, Shut a team out. It's t- it's tough to do it, um, and and you know since nineteen twenty between nineteen twenty four and uh, 
2015, the USA had shut one team out, and then this year they've shut two out, um, which is somewhat interesting. Um, do you guys see a plan going forward? Do you see a, a USA team like 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 you could come up with 25 players who you know would be going uh, on tour in November, and you know, um, you know, you know how they would do. And you know what kind of rugby they would be playing. Do we see that yet? I don't. I, I think that one of the big question marks is going to be what happens after the Olympics. And is there a mass influx? Because, I mean, he's including those guys in his elite Eagle training squad. Right? He's got Perry in there. He's got Carlin in there. He, there's been talk about Madison Hughes being the next scrum half for quite a while. Um, you know, does how does that happen and what does that relationship look like now with sevens and fifteens with it now being world cup time instead of olympic time um so i think that's a big question mark that they've got to get figured out and i'm sure they're talking about it right now well they've talked about it um so i and i don't know the answers to some of those questions um but i also think that you're going to see more of this four-year cycle nonsense where we're going to keep seeing new guys and we're going to keep giving well look i want to see this guy i think we're going to keep seeing that and uh and, and we're not he's he's a long way from zeroing in i think on that 25 man kind of thing you're talking about Dude. I, I don't i don't see any anything not 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 in the, not in the fall I, I they they definitely have a plan every every coaching staff from in, in international rugby has a plan, and these guys are certainly not, you know, I, I think they're going to see more of the same in terms of style. I think that they want to play the same style that they're playing now. They just want to do it a little bit better. I think that we're going to see, you know, a, 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 a defensive structure like they're running now, and I think that those, the things that they're doing are really good ways to win pretty much all of your tier two games and give you a puncher's chance against tier one teams. But the slight problem with it, it's kind of like basketball. And I don't know if you guys, and I know Pat does. I don't know. If you remember like Princeton basketball and the Pete Carrill and stuff, they would play the game slow and be there with, be there with a chance to win at the end. And, they didn't get into a run-and-gun game kind of like Loyola Marymount because when a team is better than you, if you play uh, a high-paced defense and a high-paced attack, then a lot of times what happens is you give them enough chances to beat you, and they usually will if they're better than you. If they're not better than you, then you know you can, you can impose your will on them. But it, it may be one of the things that they're trying to do is to say, okay, somewhere along the line we can get a scout doing this, which it's pretty obvious that they can because Italy is, it was kind of looked like they were in half a shambles, so they're definitely a beatable team in the future. I think that Scotland has not looked particularly great, especially in struggling with Japan. So that's the type of team that you would like to be able to do that to. And so I think that they, they look at that as a possibility. Hey, we get a chance against Scotland. Well, and we play an up-tempo game. Maybe we, can, maybe we can catch these guys. And I think that then they look at Japan. Now, where, 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 that, where that can backfire on you is 
if, if you got the opportunity to play a team like a Samoa or a team like a Fiji, that could backfire on you because they can turn things around pretty quick. So, but they also, the U.S., the, the structure that they attack with and the structure that they defend with is actually pretty disciplined, even though it's high tempo. And in having a kicking game that they have now, and and if Augsburger can continue to improve his kicking, he kicked very well in the first game and, and didn't kick well in the second game. But, okay, you got to give him a pass on that. I'll give him a pass. And I didn't <laughs> think he was particularly slow. And I thought yeah, I actually really? thought the way they, how they dealt with Sunni, right. I thought he played terribly against Russia. But I also thought he played great against Italy. And he's an awesome defender. The kid's a, he's a, he's a savage in defense. He smashes people. He's, he was, he's, he's good. He's a good defender. And they use him at the tail of the lineup, which gives him a lot more flexibility to do other things because he makes his tackles out of there. And what they did is, the, the brilliant thing is, I didn't even think of this, I'm usually pretty good about this crap, is they put Suniula in the tram lines at the five-meter trams where they usually put the scrum halves. Some of the teams do. The All Blacks actually keep their scrum halves and, and where they keep uh, Augsburg. But they put they put Sun Yula in that tram area off a lineouts. So they kind of hit him from most teams in the lineout will really blast into that, into that closer channel. So they basically took out a smaller defender and replaced him with a bigger defender. It was a brilliant move. And then Augsburg coming from the side gave McGinty a lot of confidence to be able to come up and make plays. Was, uh, was, it actually was a brilliant play. I, I thought, I, I mean, I, I looked at it, and, and me and Rob Holder were actually texting each other during the games. But what, what, that, was a, that was great. It was really well thought out. So whoever did it, you know, kudos to that. But, you know, it was, uh, you know, there's, there was some bad, they had 2-0. They had a 2-0 summer series. Oh, what? They were, sorry, they were 1-1. One one, but I, I almost consider Italy a moral victory. I, I thought it was a good performance. It was it was and, a good performance. I, I I would like to see it, the it was ball. A I would like to see. They could have won. Yeah, they could they they yeah, they so. could have. And it, you know that charge down, which was also Augsburger, right? That charge down bounces yeah. another direction, and you know they win. Uh, the, the I guess you know what, and this can transition us into our next topic, because you know is there a plan? The question for me is, you know, what's the plan? Because I don't know, you know, who are they going to play? Are we going to keep on with the ARC every uh, February and March? And that, that was a, a negotiation that uh, Nigel Melville was in to get that going. Um, are we going to settle down and have three test matches in June like we should and not have a big, uh, you know, you know, wait until the last minute to find out we're not going to have them? Um, uh, you know, no, the only reason, no, we were going to have three. Milk was jerking around. They were all jerking around. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's jerking around. And what? And what? What are we doing? What are we doing in November? What are we doing? Uh, uh, does anyone know what we're doing in November? We're playing. We're playing the Maori, and we're probably going to Europe. There you go. Right. We know. We know we're playing the Maori, and then we're going to Europe to do something. But we don't know what. And it's just. I find that immensely frustrating. I mean, I, I'm. You know what? It, it's like. 
but so, those, so, but those are not done by USA Rugby. This it's not like well, well, you know, no, that you that's have true. a match secretary scheduling games. That's the true. IRB schedule these games, and and had look if Russia had the cachet that Scotland had, Russia said they didn't want to play either because they were getting sick of jerk, getting jerked around. So now what, what were they cachet. what were they getting the jerked around over? Venues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The venue so, and where they were going to be and, well, and all that yeah, stuff. So I, Russia was like, screw this, we're not playing. And then, so, and that's I, fine. Russia can do that. I'm sorry, Scotland can do that. But yeah. Russia can't do that. Russia tried to. Yeah. I, and they I, would, I, I would just like, I would like to see more advance notice for fans, more advance notice for everyone. You know, this is where we're going to play. This is who we're going to play. Um, it seemed to me that Nigel Melville, uh, was kind of checked out the last six months. I mean, you know, the, you know, people might say he was checked out a long time ago. I don't know, but but he really did seem to me yeah. like you know anything that was down the road really not his problem anymore. Um, yeah. And we've we, and we've got a new CEO who's been named uh, Dan Payne. Yeah. Um, we all know Dan Payne pretty well uh, personally, um, and and I think we all like him personally. Um, yeah. But what? Curious as to what you guys think about the pick of the new CEO, and and what what do you want to see from him? Maybe maybe in connection with the national team, maybe in the connection with something else. Um, because what I'd partly like to see is a, just a little bit more trans, not transparency, a little bit more information, a little bit earlier um, about even just stuff like. Where are we going to hold a national championship, or where are we going to hold a, a test match? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that that is, at the very least, what we can expect from Dan Payne. I, I do. I think that um, he, he's definitely going to be less cagey and, and uh, for lack of a better term, weird about telling certain things than Nigel was, and about getting certain things out. Um, the Nigel was. By the way, you might think it was hilarious or weird that we got uh, uh, an email blast about uh, <laughs> Smith being the uh, or uh, about Jim Snyder being the the interim CEO about five minutes before we got the email blast that Dan Payne's going to be the CEO. I thought that was weird. That was weird. What, what was it? Like five days. Happen. It was five days. Yeah, something. You know, it's like well, I think what happened is Nigel Melville has checked out, and so. Jim Snyder is the acting CEO for that month gap or whatever. I, right. I don't know how long Melville's been checked well, out. Of you know, me, but he's been checked out, and Dan Payne's wife just had a baby, so I'm sure that they've got a whole bunch of stuff they need to be doing before he actually takes the right. job. But it is a little bit funny because it did seem like more like they didn't have somebody lined up. Right. You know? and so I, you know, I, I think that's weird. Um, I think there are definitely some oddities, and I think Dan Payne's going to tighten the ship. Um, there are very good people in that office. I guess they're in Lafayette, not Boulder now. There are very good people in that office that work very hard. There are people in that office who Name don't one. work very hard and don't do a great job. And I think Payne will do a good job of cleaning the house, identifying who's who, and getting rid of them, keeping the good ones. Or you know, or even just uh, just changing expectations so they do work hard. Well, they change. That's right. I think it would be nice, right? I think I think he'll do a good job of that, and 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 that doesn't, you know, I don't think we care about that on a high performance level, but I think that it matters to the people that operate in the club and college space on a day to day basis as a membership thing. 
I think he'll do, be very good as a as a membership guy. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm positive about that. And I, what I want to see from him, or what I hope to, it's really nothing. I don't know that it's, it's a lot to him is uh, for him to do. Is I, I want to see him have some power. I think the CEO role has changed. Um, from what Melville was, which is basically the grand emperor for a long time. And I don't think that he's going to be given the same autonomy in this new setup with this new board, new board chairman, the other CEO, Rim, the whole existence of all that, that I think there's a chance that he won't be given that autonomy, but I hope that he is given it because I think he'll do good things with it. So that's the one thing that I'm worried about um, that I, I, I hope uh, – isn't the case, and I hope we can we can see him really kind of take the reins and 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 be uh, you know authoritative in that way. Well, he's kind of been he has been Mel- Melville's right hand man for a few years or at least a year um, while he was there working at USA Rugby, so he kind of knows the ins and outs of what to do. I disagree with you a little bit, Pat, on the fact that I don't think he should have anything to do with clubs and colleges and the membership and all that kind of nonsense. I think that when USA Rugby gets involved in it, it's a complete disaster and shambles. No, look, look. I'm not saying that they're going to get in there and mingle with competitions. Maybe I should make that clear because at least you got confused. What What I meant was that he's going to demand more of the employees in his office that are basically service members for those people, right? I think that you no, will no, find no. out when the club, where the club championships are going to be sooner with Dan Payne there because he's been the guy wondering when the hell are they going to tell us where we're playing in a few weeks. So I think that that will get fixed, and the membership service side of things will be better. I don't mean that they're going to get in there and, like, whip uh, club rugby into shape. I just mean that we no, can expect more as members – a better service. Yeah, yeah. So what? What I would say, and I, and again, that's where I disagree with you. Is I don't want that. We don't need that. We oh, we have a volunteer base in American rugby that is way more comp- competent at doing these things than anything from a centralized office. Always has been. Always will be. Yeah, I don't agree. I remember, I remember the territorial union system and competitions committees. I sat on those things. They were nightmares. Yeah. All right. So I'm I don't. I don't need Alan Sharpley telling me where to go and what to do and when to do it. I and because he was able to do it with the power of USA Rugby, and that therein lied the problem. But that's because he had centralized power. He was Nigel Melville's representative or whoever it was before that. Um. Anyway, so he, he and 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 some of those things were problems, but you know, some of them saw it as great things, which were absurd. And now it's broken. No, they need to focus on the elite level of the game. That's it. Because that is what USA Rugby does. They focus, that's all they should focus on. The elite level of the game at the, at all the different levels. Men's and women's 17, men's and women's 15s team, men's and women's uh, under 20s teams, men's and women's under 18s. And we have to get the age grade stuff. I mean, to sit there and call it, you know, high school, this, so that's nonsense. We have to get the age grade. The reality is we're not going anywhere by, you know, catering to rich white kids. And and we're not we're not playing a winner Olympic sport. So catering to rich white kids doesn't work. 
So we have to find a way to identify, cultivate, and develop players who don't have the financial stability and coaches, for that matter, who don't have the financial stability to be able to do these things and grow the game in a way that's going to make us successful. And I think that that's where Dan's going to be good. Dan's going to be good at trying to get the top level of the game to play at its best. That's what he did. He was, he was an elite-level wrestler. He was an elite-level rugby player. He was an elite-level coach. Like, let him deal with the elite stuff. If we're going to drag our CEO into every Tom, Dick, and Harry conversation, which is where Melville screwed up, he got into every stupid thing and politicked and yes, people to death and then wasn't able to deliver on stuff. And, and, and it's just, it's really poor management to try to spread yourself too thin. The only thing he should be focused on is the top level of the game, and that's it, and raising money to get those things done. Okay, that sounds awesome, that's awesome. but what I'm hearing... I know, but that's, but that's what he should do. But what I'm hearing, Bruce, is, okay. is that USA Rugby should literally stop charging dues and no longer run championships and just not exist in that space in any way, shape, or form, which, look, I could go down that rabbit hole with you and say that's the best thing ever, but I think that's too radical an idea for it to happen. Because they can't collect dues if they're not going to run championships, and they can't run championships if they don't have somebody in an office helping organize the volunteers to do it. And if that person's in that office, then, then he's under Dan Payne's payroll, and he's got to run him. And if that's, if, if, if that's what the membership wants Dan Payne to do, then just expect to lose. That's it. It's okay to lose. You're okay, it's okay to suck. It so whose job is that then? It, the job of it is the teams themselves. The, this whole thing about championships and all this is complete nonsense. We don't even have a championship. We don't have, what championship do we have? The what? No Look, if you take away these postseasons, people will stop paying their SIP. That's what I'm saying. You want to blow the whole system up? They should take it what they should do. They have rim. I mean, rim is, is, is the thing that should be paying everyone's dues. They sold out. They, they had the old blacks. 55,000 people came, you know, and, and they had all, supposedly had all the money. And, like, where'd it go? I don't know where it went. Sure, if it's 65 times 100, 6.5 mil, they paid the All Blacks in mil, 5.8. Give us a year of free set. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm just, but what I'm, what I'm really saying is, if they want to have elite rugby work, and and at the, at the under 18 level, at the under 20 level, at the senior men's level, senior women's level, and sevens level, they need a CEO was going to focus on raising money for those programs, period. And if he's bogged down doing all kinds of minutia elsewhere, then we're going to, we're going to have serious problems. He should be on the road I w- I would 24-7 throw in, uh, raising money, period. And he'd be yeah, great. I, well, I, well I, I, I'd throw in another part of the job there. It's still a big picture thing. You may still disagree. Uh, which would be that 
uh, USA Rugby's job remains uh, partly to grow the game, grow the awareness of the game. They still have to work at that. Uh, but that's they, part they, that they can be folded into raising money. Do they, do, they, do they grow the awareness of the game, or do they retard the awareness of the game? In a lot of, in a lot well, of ways, I, I, I'm, in I'm, a lot of ways, I didn't say what they are doing. I, I, Bruce, I didn't say the, what the, that's what they are doing. I said that's what their job is. All right, but they grow the. They, you still have Snyder there, and, and there are people there who who could work on these things. Not everything. Not every. Not every minor employee answers to the CEO. The CEO's job is to raise money. Like the president of the university. The president of the university's job is to raise money. Period. End of sentence. That's what they do. Well, well his, his job is to direct the big picture focus, right? You know, he's got to say, this is how we're going to look at it. The problem with USA Rugby r- partly right now is the culture of how they, they approach, how they treat the membership and how they look at the membership and how they look at, at um, you know, and, and those of us in the press. I mean, how Melville looked at his own employees. Well, yeah. But all of, I'm, I'm just saying that if, he, if Dan was, if Dan is going to go into his into his skill set, his skill set is developing elite. That's his skill set. And if we want to turn it into, you know, running a Division Three national championship, then I, I think a we got the wrong guy. Or Dude, no one's saying that, that that Dan Payne needs to spend a lot of his time or any of his time organizing the Division Three National Championship. I just all, all I'm saying is maybe it'd be good to hire the right guy to run that Division Three National Championship, and I think and he'll do a good job of it. And, and it's all I'm saying. It's all right. It's, it's your it's your marching game. orders, and I, I I would say actually, it's that just, the, if I if I had, if I had a set of marching um, orders, it, it, for me anyway, it, they did a great job in the fact. They got an American rugby guy. Because I had heard a couple of things bandied about about different sports and different people. And, and I'm sitting there going, and the only advice I gave to was American rugby guy. Don't get an American rugby guy. You're going to be in a really bad situation. Every time they've done stuff without an American rugby guy, and whatever they've done, especially these times, it's been a, been a disaster. And by American rugby guy, I mean a guy who is, you know, married to America. Like he's he's somebody right. he's, he's, he's embedded in the game in the United States, no matter yeah, where he was born. He's, right? Yeah, he's been part of. Yeah. yeah, he's part of American rugby. You know the the the, the, the the other thing I would say that Dan Payne is really good at is team building. And well, that's yeah. another, and, 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 and that's and that's the thing is he can galvanize. But you can only galvanize by going to the top. Like, if you're going to try to galvanize, it's like galvanizing a club. You don't galvanize your club by having a good A side. You galvanize your club by having a good A side. If you have a good A side, 50 guys go to practice. If you have a good B side, 8 guys go to practice. And whether or not your A side's winning any of the games, your B side's winning any of the games. You know, if the A side's good, everybody goes. If the B side's good and the A side stinks, nobody's going. And. I just, I think that what we need to do is have, you know, Dan Payne, Alex Magleby, and Nigel Melville were on the committee that put Mitchell and Veal and all those guys in there. Now, they have to be, they have to at least give them the chance to succeed. I think that they have to give them the chance to succeed, find the money to do it, and get, like, Dan has been, Dan, uh, got a lot of 
players opportunities at life that probably wouldn't have gotten opportunities to play rugby in college rugby. Very similar to what you're doing at Lindenwood Belleville, Pat. And I think that that's that's really like all the things where we're sitting there, oh, we got to collect dues and more taxpayers. That's the plan. More taxpayers. More taxpayers. The plan should really be more players. And we need to get kids who can't afford to play playing. Because it doesn't cost anything to play touch or flag one. It doesn't cost anything to do stuff like that. And and that's and, and I you know and I, I don't want to that's where I think that we can really make a dent and an impact. But by by sitting there and you know just getting a bunch of white kids to you know to to, to play flag rugby in, in their little white town, like okay, this isn't the ski team, bro. And even the ski team, I wouldn't say that. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, like. I, I don't know what it, you know what team you even say. There's nothing. Like you got you got to get people who are dedicated and want to play. Like it, it's if we're going to treat rugby like the Winter Olympics, making white people relevant in sports since 1948 or 1947 when Jackie Robinson crossed the color barrier, then great. But I disagree with it, and I think that until we go elite and USA Rugby focuses on the elite game. We're going to be spinning our wheels. Will Chang has more money than to do anything with. You know what Dan's job should be? They say, hey, Will, buy this. Buy into this. The board of directors, that's their job, is to finance this crap. And the CEO's job is to get the sponsorship. They should all be going out en masse getting sponsorship. They should be on the road all the time. That's where they should pay. If they're going to sit in some, you know, pothead office in Colorado and, you know, listen to hippies out on the street, like, when they go out to lunch, then we're the same shit different year. Like, we finally got a guy who could put something together. Give me a chance to put something together instead of having to go backwards. Uh, overall, then, the right guy or possibly the right guy? Yes, I think possibly the right guy. I think... You'd be hard-pressed to find very many people who'd say this is a bad move. I, I think this is a good move. I, you know, There could be multiple right guys. Was he the rightest guy? I don't know. But I think he'll do a good job. And uh, I think that the, the one thing that we know is no one would outwork. No one who would have been picked would outwork him more honestly, more earnestly, and more passionately to advance a game of rugby than, than what he's going to do. And that's that's pretty good. I mean, I think that without a doubt, you got to say that, you know, he's the right guy. And, you know, you can, the right, the whitest guy, probably the rightest guy of who applied. So then he becomes. The I, I don't have the full list of everyone who applied. I have no idea. I'm not going to like who applied. Yeah, I mean, the, right. So. I know yeah, of I know of some people I know of some people who applied who were very very good I, candidates I, I know, in my opinion. I know um, a bunch of rugby administrators, and the ones I know that I think are awesome didn't apply. Yeah. So <laughs> that's 
let's we can start there. So I would have to say he's the rightest guy, but it's a tough job. It is indeed a tough job, and somebody's got to do it, right? Well, we've got to do this job, too. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job on this one. Uh, Rugby Matrix America brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Don't forget, you can get your Rugby Matrix America on iTunes, and also you can get Rugby Matrix International Show on RugbyMatrix.com or also on iTunes. Check out what I have to say on Golf Rugby Report, where all the Rugby Matrix America shows are also hosted. Go to GolfRugbyReport.com. You can go forward slash tags forward slash Rugby Matrix, and you'll see them all. Uh, for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, hoping the best for Dan Payne and for the Eagles. This is Alex Gaw from Golf Rugby Report thanking you for listening to Rugga Matrix America.